Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in Lake Kick is live. It is Thursday night, August 18th. Year of our Lord 2022. If things like college football broadcast music and tailgating procedures affect you emotionally, this is your college football show. We are jam-packed. We are high atop a it, just a pulsating downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We had a lot of the folks in town from all across the country this week. Really excited about to kick off the season in parade fashion. I've got camp intel. I've got whispers. I've got nuggets. We've got some quarterback movement happening. We've got some injury updates. I'm going to get you coast to coast in just a second. It's a huge week for the Big Ten. Media rights deal. We've spoken about it for about six months. It was finally made official today. So now that the red tape is off of my mouth as a CBS employee, we can talk freely and we can talk openly about how this may be good, how it may suck, and how everything could be on the table. I still haven't gotten used to seeing our YouTube plaque back there. It always, it always sends a warm feeling through my chest when we see that. JP poll versus AP poll was such a fun segment we did the other night. We're doing another one tonight because I didn't even talk about Oregon yet. I didn't even talk about Tennessee yet or Wake Forest. We got several teams we still need to talk about where we just differ totally and where we have a team power rated versus where the AP has a team ranked. Also, there's some drama. We're typically not a scandalous show around here, but when the situation warrants, we will dive head first in. And there is something that we are calling the OU tailgate travesty. People in and around Norman already know what I'm talking about, but believe me, this impacts every single one of you. If it hasn't happened to you already, it's going to happen to you unless you take preemptive measures. And so we will tell that cautionary tale and hope that we have a reversal, of course, in Oklahoma, but we will tell that tale later tonight. Also, I'm going to talk about some tough schedules. They're watching in Van Buren, Arkansas. They're watching in Waxahachie, Texas. Home, I'm told, of one Christopher Hummer. They're watching in Cocoa Beach, Florida, Richmond, Virginia. And those of you in Richmond, Virginia, I need you to pay extra special close attention during this show tonight. There is an opportunity for multiple members of our audience in and around Richmond to win a chalice of supremacy. Uh, full production on Sunday. I mean, we are loaded on Sunday. I encourage you guys, if you feel like missing one show over the next week, don't make it the Sunday show. We will have every prediction that is going to be made on this show. Conference, national championship, we're making them Sunday night. I'm getting it out of the way. We're doing it Sunday night. We will have, hear me now, multiple 
Week zero or week one ramen noodle express best bets. I'm not waiting until two weeks from now. I am giving our first week plays out as early as Sunday. Don't miss the Sunday show. Got plenty more tonight because we could have a surprise or two Sunday as well. Let's dive into the show. Jam-packed tonight. Camp Intel. We got whispers. We got nuggets. We got a start in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That quarterback battle. We've talked about LSU a lot and we're about to again. Let's talk about Michigan though. Cade McNamara, is it going to be him again? Is it going to be J.J. McCarthy? Sometimes stories change, but reality doesn't change. And I have felt for quite a while that's what's been happening with the Michigan quarterback battle. I'm not suggesting that it hasn't been a battle. What I am suggesting is we've seen some headlines. I've watched some folks in and around the Michigan beat flip-flop their opinion of who's going to end up being the starting quarterback. And I don't really think reality's changed all that much. We, we've had our opinion set around here for a while. And that is, unless there's a pretty steady course correction by Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan coaching staff, we thought Cade McNamara was going to be the starter at Michigan. I, we still feel that way. Well, Sam Webb, with the Michigan Insider, a lot closer to the program than we'll ever be, kind of echoed that sentiment recently. Folks around the program have kind of echoed that sentiment. Jim Harbaugh's not going to tell you anything. He's doing it no different than I would if I were the head coach at Michigan. And as has been stated many times, but needs to be stated at least once more, this is not a situation where Michigan plays any kind of top 20 competition for the first month of the year, basically. So they've got time. They don't need to have anything decided. But when you look at Cade McNamara and you look at the steady presence that he provides, it's not that there are not multiple areas where J.J. McCarthy may have an edge on him. I just think they value the poise, the steady presence, how he doesn't lose you football games. My mind always goes back to the Michigan State game last year where we watched J.J. McCarthy turn the ball over. That's an unfair assessment. I'm not saying that's my scouting report of him. I'm saying the first time I saw him in person was that game, so that's what always stands out. But it's kind of a microcosm of why I think McCarthy, one of the reasons at least, why McCarthy still has the edge here or why McNamara has the edge, it's just because they know they can trust him. When you've got a veteran presence who doesn't have weakness physically. You don't have to give much up when you have Cade McNamara on the field. And he's got the poise, and you've seen him under duress. It's hard to overtake that. And so that's why J.J. McCarthy hasn't overtaken him, so to speak. But it's no mystery. We'll see both of them play. So it was kind of good to see Sam Webb give that update because it validated a lot of what we've more or less felt around here for the entirety of fall camp around Michigan. Now, down at LSU... They've got a quarterback battle going on that went from three to two recently because, as we talked about on the previous show, we saw Miles Brennan exit the program. He's just done playing college football. So at the quarterback position, they had a scrimmage yesterday, and we're watching Jaden Daniels, and we're watching, of course, Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, this may be one where we end up being wrong. We haven't had a strong feeling on it, but if I had to bet some money early in fall camp, I would have placed a wager that Garrett Nussmeyer was going to end up being their starter. There was no smart money. Brian Kelly didn't know. And it sounds like Jaden Daniels had himself another good scrimmage yesterday. It's not like we're rooting against him or anything like that, although I do hate losing hypothetical money. But it sounds like, it sounds like Jaden Daniels had himself another good scrimmage yesterday. So what we have always known about Jaden Daniels is he has the experience edge. We know he's got the mobility edge. So the edge that Garrett Nussmeyer was going to need to have was going to be overwhelming edge with his arm and accuracy and the ability to thread the needle and the ability to move the chains through the air. But it sounds like listening to Brian Kelly and talking to a couple of folks around the program, 
Jaden Daniels had a good day throwing the ball yesterday too in their scrimmage. So if he's checking that box, then it becomes pretty academic that he's going to end up being your starting quarterback. Now, I do want to reiterate something that someone around LSU told me three nights ago now, because I still think it rings very true. I think that even if Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, for that matter, ended up being your week one starter against Florida State, that's not the end of the quarterback competition. Uh, there could still very well be that situation that we've seen play out many times where you go through all of spring and all of summer and all of fall, and you, you go so far down the rabbit hole of developing your opinion and developing your perception about that position, and then you watch, what, a quarter, a half of real football, and one guy just is a gamer. I don't, I don't even know what that means. I can't really even define it for you, but you and I both know we've seen guys at multiple positions, not just quarterback, when they're keeping score, and it's Saturday, for some reason, they play well above the ski level that you've seen from them during the week. Well, what if Garrett Nussmeyer just ends up being that? Or what if Jaden Daniels ends up being that? My point is, and the point that a couple of folks close to the program have made is, don't get carried away. Don't just etch it in stone because a guy trots out there to take the first snaps against Florida State. So I'm not going to. At Notre Dame, we spoke about injuries the other night. You remember we were talking about Avery Davis, who is a multi-year, long-time guy, like a sixth-year guy for them. Veteran leader was going to obviously be a starting receiver for them, and he's out for the year. And so they were dealing with that. Xavier Watts yesterday was being worked at receiver, and he's a guy who had moved to defensive back for him. And I think today they scrimmaged, and he went both ways today. Ultimately, what you're looking at here is Notre Dame trying to get guys back and replenish their wide receiver stable. When they do, I would say it's my opinion that Xavier Watts is probably a DB for you. I think most folks who cover the team would echo that. But right now, they're dealing with some depth and injury situations at wide receiver. But also, Jarrett Patterson is a name to pay attention to. It's the talk of a lot of Notre Dame communities and message boards right now. He's, uh, he should be their left guard. He's had injury concerns of his own. Now, the latest update from Marcus Freeman is he may be questionable for Ohio State. So do we get him back? Do we not? The best intel we've gotten is this still be kind of a long shot, but let's keep an eye on it. We've already talked about rapid healing at the wide receiver position for them. Let's just keep an eye on that offensive line. I did want to touch on a rumor that was floating around the other night about what would be a really big injury out of Alabama. It, 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 I, don't think we've, I don't think we've said this this fall, so it's a good time for me to say this. Being carted off means a lot different thing on a Saturday than it does during practice. This goes for the NFL too. When you get carted off on a Saturday or a Sunday during a game, it is 99% certainty something bad's happened to you and you are not coming back anytime soon. However, guys get carted off in practice all the time. Guys get carted off for cramps in practice all the time. And if you didn't know any better, and most of us don't because you don't get access to practice, which is a shame, but you don't. You just hear, for instance, Jordan Battle, starting safety for Alabama, got carted off the other day. Well, I have no reason to believe that's not true. We heard it from multiple people. You notice I didn't talk about it on the Tuesday night show, even though we had the information. The reason I didn't is because uh, two or three other guys probably got carted off the practice field for Alabama this week too. And you didn't hear about it. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. There are all kinds of reasons guys get carted off. So 
We chose the 48-hour approach on this one. And a lot of times in camp, I utilize that. Get all kind of intel, all kind of tips and whispers and stuff. We apply the 48-hour principle, especially on injuries. Because 48 hours later, it's clear. Well, guess what? It's clear now. Jordan Battle's okay. Charlie Potter over on BamaOnline.com reporting that yesterday, I think. Jordan Battle's okay. Uh, so I know that it sounded dire for a little while, and the rumors were making their rounds on Twitter. Nope, Jordan Battle is okay. And it's a good thing, too, because Jordan Battle's one of the best players on that team. I think their defense is going to be really good. I know that that's a spoiler. I hate to let you guys know Bama's going to be good this year. But um, if they're bad, I don't think it's going to be because the defense let them down again. Also, I owe it to producer Jesse. We had a bunch of our national guys in town this week, and they took Jesse out on the town the other night, the young, impressionable fawn of the staff, and they did who knows what. And then at the end of the night, they told him he looked like Cam Rising. Then they just left him. Cam Rising's the starting quarterback for Utah. Looks like he lives in a cave six days out of the week. And I got to be real, I'm not disagreeing with him. I'm just saying it was wrong for him to do it. So Jesse, I felt a little pity for today. So I'm going to give you a Penn State update. I'm going to toss him a little softball here. The offensive line at Penn State let them down last year. The offensive line at Penn State is the kind of position group that you have to dig through several layers when you talk to folks around the program. But if you'll get truth serum in them, they'll tell you, hey, we're going to be good on the offensive line. Don't tell anybody. Please don't tell anybody. But we're going to be good on the offensive line. Are you, though? Are, to, to quote one of our employees, we'll call her Christy, are you, though? If they are, it kind of validates what the JP poll says. Let's keep in mind, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, JP poll says this, this quote-unquote unranked Penn State is actually the 10th best team in the country to start the season. Could the model know something about the Penn State offensive line? Has the model become alive and developed the ability to interpret rumors itself? Perhaps. I think they're going to be pretty good on the offensive line. They have uh, some quiet confidence. James Franklin has taken his own special approach about the way he talks about his offensive line this spring, even unto the rest of the team. He has like offensive line protocol, and then he's got the way he talks about the rest of his team. I've heard conflicting things about the offensive line at Penn State, and I think I've narrowed down what's going on. I think the 10,000-foot crowd is the crowd telling me Penn State's offensive line is going to be average at best again this year, maybe even not good. And I think the ones who are day-to-day -day on the ground around the program are the ones who are picking up the hoofbeats a little bit more that could be pleasantly surprised by how this offensive line looks. Now, let me give the caveat for the 10,000th time this spring, summer, fall, if they stay healthy. I wish we could just put a banner. We got the YouTube plaque over here. How about a banner over here, Colin, that just says, if they stay healthy. We just fly it through every single practice and whispers and intel segment from now until eternity. So, hey, let's just say the cautious optimism verifies. And let's say Penn State does have a good offensive line. Well, at least we could put that ridiculous stat from last year to rest where they didn't have a single 100-yard rusher in a game. That'd be nice. And then the follow-up could be when we arrive on October 29th and Ohio State comes in there, even though it's a noon kickoff, which everyone but me has a problem with, Maybe that's one of the games. If you're trying to find a path where Ohio State gets tripped up, maybe that's the game where they get tripped up. So that's an update on camp whispers and intel all around the country. It gets even more important. The air gets even thinner and thinner from this point. We're going to have second scrimmages for some teams coming up this weekend. I imagine our Sunday night segment will be even fatter than that one. 
It's an important time of the show. Don't fast forward. I, I implore you, especially if you live near Richmond, Virginia, stay tuned. So you remember about three weeks ago, appreciate you guys being tuned in, by the way. Like the video if you haven't already. Remember about three weeks ago, there was a new Academy Sports and Outdoors that opened in Panama City. And the folks at Academy, they hit me up and they said, hey, do something with that, please. We don't even want to instruct you what to do. Just do something with it. So I made a pact with you guys. Anyone who showed me proof that you went to that store during the grand opening weekend was going to be entered to win a chalice of supremacy. Sitting right there. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, it's that little glass figurine. It has the Pate State logo carved into it. It has Pate State Chalice of Supremacy, and they are not for sale. Those cannot be found in the Late Kick store. The only way you get one of those bad boys is if we get new Meredith to ship one to you right from the office. Well, the good news is we have a new Academy Sports and Outdoors grand opening to tell you about tonight. This Friday, a.k.a. tomorrow, or a.k.a. today if you're listening to the replay, at 11 861 West Broad Street in Richmond. Again, 11861 West Broad Street in Richmond. Grand opening, Academy Sports and Outdoors, plain and simple. Somewhere between five and ten of you are going to get Chalai of Supremacy, which is the plural of chalice, sent to you if you prove to me that you showed up for the grand opening. I'll take videos from the parking lot. I'll take videos in the store. Ideally, we would have a picture of a receipt. If you walk around the store and advertise the show and record yourself doing it, you probably get double entered to win a chalice of supremacy. But 11861 West Broad Street, Richmond, Virginia. Don't complain any longer about being academyless. We have come through for you, now come through for us. And for the rest of you, visit your local academy or go to academy.com. I saw a couple of you complain today. It's not fair that only the folks in Richmond get an opportunity to win chalai. Don't worry. Over the course of the season, there will be several more opportunities. They won't always be tied into Academy Grand Openings. This just happens to be. There are several ways. If you didn't learn last year, if you're new around here, oh, there are several ways. I mean, we had our audience last year get us banned from College Game Day, and a number of you won Chalai of Supremacy during that effort as well. Can you believe that? That happened. We got banned. Pate State posters and Late Kick posters banned from Game Day. Whom stood of thunk it? I would. So Academy, Richmond, make it happen. All right, let's get down to business here. Can I crack my knuckles? Yeah, I got one of them. The JP poll came out Sunday. Hurrah. And we did some comparative analysis. What's the JP poll say relative to the AP poll? But I saw Peter Burns, friend of the program, employed by SEC Network and ESPN. He had a good idea a couple of days ago, but he had the wrong logic. Peter Burns, as you see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, he decided to tweet out the preseason top 25 teams on everyone's schedule. How many top 25 teams does your team play? That's a good idea. We're about to steal it. The bad news, and this is where Peter went down the wrong road. There was a fork in the road. One sign said JP, one sign said AP. And not calling him a casual, but like several casuals in front of him, he took the AP route. He took the road more traveled. And so he showed you how many top 25 teams Arkansas or AM or Clemson play, but he showed you AP top 25 teams, which as you know, is not really worth the paper it's printed on. So tonight, I'm going to show you how many top 25 teams you really face this year. They're going to be jaw-dropping in some cases, and we're going to use the true authority, the JP poll. For those of you unfamiliar, the JP poll is just 
the power rating that our model, our proprietary model, you know, the one that single-handedly keeps us off food stamps and ramen noodle express diet in the fall, and we take it and we apply it to such segments as this one. Let me tell you how tough some of your schedules are. Remember, this is a relative data point. I'm just going one through 25. So if you happen to play the 26th, 27th, 28th, and 29th ranked teams in the country, but you don't play anyone in the top 25, yeah, you've still got a pretty tough schedule, but it's going to look like you don't play anybody worth anything because you have zero top 25 games. So it's a relative data point, but a data point nonetheless. There are two teams. Before we show you the graphic, I just want to hit the pause button for Director Colin in there. Before I show you this graphic, who do you think plays the toughest schedule in the country? Because there are two teams that play eight of my preseason top 25 teams on their schedule. That is ridiculous. Who are they? Well, they're in the same division, as it turns out. One of them is Mississippi State. The other one is Auburn. They both play eight preseason top 25 teams. Should be illegal, certainly in their states, and should be illegal everywhere. So the other day, you see we've got Auburn 23rd. This is the first time I've showed you who's ranked beyond the top 20. Auburn is our 23rd ranked team in the country. Let me do a little exercise with you here. I said the other night on the show, the difference in strength of schedule illustrates that you aren't always what your record says you are in college football. I thought I delivered it pretty succinctly. I thought I articulated the point pretty well. Apparently, I didn't, because the comment section was full of people screaming at me, some in all caps, you're stupid if you tell me that wins and losses don't matter. Well, of course, that never got said on the show, but that didn't stop a lot of people from saying that it did in the comments. To be clear, wins and losses are all that matter in sports. That's why they're keeping score. That's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is if you're trying to figure out how good a team really is relative to the rest of the teams in the pack, you have to take into account that some have a stiffer challenge in terms of a schedule than others do. So if we're both in the spelling bee, but you're competing against AP 12th graders and I'm competing against 5th graders, it's a different challenge. I may still be smarter than you, but it's not because of the challenge that I faced relative to the challenge you faced. So we try and be fair with that. And I try and say, hey, it's possible for some of these teams to lose multiple games, but still be a top 25 team. Enter the Auburn Tigers. Auburn plays eight of my top 25 teams in the country this year. So the JP poll says Auburn is the 23rd best team in the country. Here's how wild this is. And here's why power ratings are way different than any ranking system. If everything were to verify, the entirety of the JP poll just ends up being dead on the money. That means Auburn would theoretically go, what, five and seven, and they would be the 23rd best team in the country. How's that possible? How can you lose seven games and go top 25 still? Well, that's how. Because the JP poll is sitting here telling you they're the 23rd best team in the country. They play seven teams ranked above them and one just behind them still in the top 25. So uh, that is where the power rating world differs from the ranking world. That's how, for example, Nebraska could be three and nine last year. But in the odds making community, you know, the Vegas power polls and, and our power rating, we still had them, I think, top 30 even at the end of the year. It's because they just kept losing close games. Oh, it matters in the Big Ten standings, but in a forward-thinking model where we're trying to be predictive instead of reactive, you don't get knocked as much as you would if you were losing 49-7 to every week. All right, there's a next tier. So Auburn and Mississippi State, the toughest schedules in the country, according to the JP poll. Then there are 
five teams that have seven opponents in the top 25. There is a theme here. See if you can catch it. Those teams are Alabama, Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and LSU. Quiz! What do those teams have in common? Yes, friends, they all reside in the SEC West. I know what's coming, and I love when you guys comment on the videos, but let me save you some time. Colin, the mic's about to pop, so just get ready for it. I'm going to save you some time. In the interest of saving you time, I'm going to make your allegation for you. SEC bias. The model has implicit SEC bias. You yelled it through me at the computer. But friends, I want to remind you just that. You're yelling at a computer. That computer has no clue what the SEC is. It just sees a bunch of numbers. There is no SEC bias as much as there is just a lot of really good competition in the SEC West this year. We got every one of the teams ranked in the top 25. The entire division power rates inside the top 25. You would see that is closely reflected in any kind of odds-making community power rating too. So when you see point spreads come out, I think you might even be alarmed at how tight the point spreads would be. If you could see a hypothetical Mississippi State versus matchup or an Auburn versus matchup, and you took some of your higher-rated teams in other conferences, they may be dogs to Mississippi State, no pun intended. So there's not SEC bias there. The bias is they're good, uh, and they recruit really, really well, and they load the rosters up. That's the bias. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Who has the weakest schedule? This certainly wouldn't be the kind of segment it needs to be if I didn't tell you who plays the weakest schedule. This sent off a couple of alarm bells for me because there are two teams. Two teams play a grand total of one top 25 team. You want to know who they are? One of them plays their lone top 25 opponent in week one, and that would be Cincinnati or Cincinnati. The other team that plays the weakest schedule out of the top 25 is NC State. Their lone top 25 opponent, power rated, is at Clemson. So what do I make of that? Are we even playing the same sport when I am competing for the same championship as you, and I got the casuals over here telling me you are what your record says you are, and I'm going to face one top 25 opponent, and you're going to face eight of them. I love that world if I'm the one playing the one top 25 opponent. NC State's lone top 25 opponent is at Clemson, by the way. So we're looking right now, uh, Utah's, Utah's in there as well. So there were three of them. Utah's lone top 25 game. Jesse's at USC? Yes, so their lone top 25 games against USC. So there are actually three of them. Point being... Two of those three teams 
are really seriously in the playoff conversation in the preseason. And I will, I kind of would say all three, but I don't know how many people are taking Cincinnati seriously as a playoff team because they lost so much and they're a G5 team. Let's just be real about it. But those other two, Utah, co-favorite, any, any given day, it kind of fluctuates, but any given day they're a co-favorite or the favorite to win the Pac-12. And then you've got NC State, whose lone top 25 team is also their biggest hurdle. It is a road game at Clemson, and the rest of their schedule is workable. It's not easy per se, but it's workable. So you keep that in mind. If you're trying to buy stock in a sleeper, there's nothing that you pull up on NC State's front after you label them a sleeper and makes you go, oh, never mind. I didn't know they played them, 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 and them. Nope, it's not there. So by conference, if you wanted this aggregated here, their JP poll has 10 SEC teams in the top 25. Bias! Not so much. Uh, the Big Ten has five in there. Big 12, three. ACC, three. Pac-12, two. Uh, Notre Dame's in there as an independent. And the AAC has one team in the top 25. So that, from a numbers perspective, is how we figure toughest schedules this year. Again, that is a relative data point. Relative data point. Because if you got like 10 opponents in the 26 through 40 range, you got a really tough schedule. It just doesn't look like it in that particular data point. Let's get back to some good old fashioned AP versus JP comparative analysis here. Tennessee is our 15th ranked team in the country, in the JP poll. The AP has them outside the top 25 entirely. We have to go past the top 25. We have to look down below the bottom column where it says teams that also got votes and Tennessee's the first one listed there. So they are the, I guess, the 26th ranked team in the country. Hogwash, as Meemaw would say. Hogwash, people. Tennessee, ranked top 15, had to manually throttle the Vols down a little bit to put them at 15. I think I was right in doing that. You know what I chose to do tonight? I chose to give you one of the first game simulations that I will give you all year. I didn't even tell Jesse about it because I didn't even want a graphic for it. But as you know, we have our own model here. And I can plug it any given time, any game I want to in that model. And that model tells me exactly what the expected outcome would be on that game. In other words, we can develop our own point spreads. So I looked at Wake Forest just to pull a team out of thin air. I looked at Wake, a, a ranked team in the AP. And I looked at unranked Tennessee and I put them on a neutral field. Do you know what our point spread would be if we had Tennessee face Wake Forest? This is post-Sam Hartman injury. So we have, we have updated Wake in a power rating format to account for the quarterback injury. We would favor Tennessee by double digits, by 11.5 points over Wake. That's team ranked ahead of them. So Tennessee, we like what we see plenty enough. I don't know, I don't know in what world uh, Wake Forest currently deserves to be ranked above Tennessee, but there is one world. It's the AP world. Let's take a look at Oregon. This is one where I got a ton of pushback. I get it, I get it, I get it. I was surprised when I saw the model not at least put them inside the top 25. The AP has Oregon at 11, and we got them at 27. I thought it was a typo. It's not, that's what the model spat out. So yeah, we got a new staff up there. We do account for that, but we don't drop you off a cliff for that. They're replacing starters at quarterback, lead running back, top receiver, replacing a star defensive end. There are holes. Yes, there are. Now, it looks like they plummeted, doesn't it? It looks like wherever we ended Oregon postseason last year versus where we're starting them, it looks like they fell off a cliff. They really didn't. It's an illusion. 27 is not that far from 11. 
in our model, in fact, I ran the number. Our number 11 team is Wisconsin. Oregon's number 27. So the spot where Oregon is in the AP, we've got Wisconsin. The gap between number 11 and number 27 for us is four and a half points. So there is a, a clear top tier. It's called Alabama. Then there's another tier where you got Ohio State, Georgia. Then there is this kind of third tier. Clemson's in there. Michigan's in there. Once you get to about the fourth tier, there are like 15 teams in the fourth tier. It's very, very bunched together. So you could go from 11 to 19 to 26, and it's very close. You're talking about merely changing the venue that the games are played in would change who's favored in the game. And that's 11 versus 27. So I guess uh, what I tell you is there's too much unknown for Oregon to be thrust in the top 15 for us, for us at the time being, or for the time being. But what we won't do is we will not just be dropping them for the sake of dropping them if they lose to Georgia in week one. Auburn, interesting case study here too. I believe we figured out through deduction that Auburn in the AP would be ranked 36th because they were among the teams receiving votes, but they were way down there. We've got them actually power rated 23. Their over-under win total is six. Now, I just explained to you a second ago, uh, it makes all the sense in the world if you understand how power ratings work. But to me, Auburn is a classic victim of expectation team. Although it's not supposed to be this way, a lot of times in the AP, people think about what their record for you is probably going to be, and then they vote you accordingly. The AP is only supposed to work like that after the games have been played. But people look at how tough their schedule is. Like, you should never be talking about schedule when you're ranking teams, ever. But yet I heard a lot of people, how do you, how do you not rank Auburn? Well, you know, they got a tough schedule. Who cares what their schedule is? You're trying to rank how good they are. Or at least I thought that's what this exercise was all about. They may not win six games, they told me. When I rated them 23 the other day and I told you they were top 23, they said, Auburn may not win six games. I said, I know. In fact, they, they may not even win five of them. Doesn't mean we're wrong. How could that be, Josh? How could, how could you have them top 25? And they'd not even make a bowl game. Well, uh, they play seven teams power rated ahead of them. So our model expects them, if they are the 23rd best team and everything else in this power rating is right, they expect Auburn to go five and seven. And only in a power rating world would that make sense. Uh, Auburn, it's not, they don't have a bunch of players that you look at and say, there's that superstar, there's that superstar. They're just, the aggregate of talent there is good enough where I'll tell you what they could do. They could Iowa their way to win in six or seven games. That's what they could do. You watch Iowa football last year. How'd they win games? In the most boring manner possible. That's how. It's fun when they win them, though. But they sit there long enough for someone to hand them a football game. They don't lose it, and they wait for you to lose it. And surprisingly, in college football, that's a winning formula a lot of the time. Auburn does not have to leave home for a little while. It would not surprise me if they start 4-0, 5-0, and then a bunch of people will overrate them and overcorrect, and we'll probably just sit here and say, no, no, they're, they're a top 25 team, no more, no less. And then all of a sudden they'll play at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Arkansas, at Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Think about that stretch. Just back to back to back to back. And oh, by the way, they go to Alabama at the end of the year. Brigham Young, let's address this. Let's do it together. I was a little disappointed. Because I've talked about Brigham Young a fair amount over the past few months. I wanted them to be top 25. Unfortunately, they're our 35th power-rated team. And in the AP, they're 25. So we're 10 spots below the AP. So we think Brigham Young's a little overrated to start the year. It's not a big gap, just a few points. But it does look a lot better with a 25 next to your name. 
I can tell you we've whiffed on Brigham Young before because we do value previous power ratings in terms of recruiting. We look at your talent roster, and a lot of what we have to ingest involves previous recruiting rankings. Now, we unweighted over time because we actually have a sample size of you as a college football player, but Brigham Young's never recruiting in the top 10, top 15. So sometimes we have to correct during the season because the model has figured that Brigham Young is the exception to the rule. We base it on rules and then we'll course correct with the exceptions to the rule. So here was my glass half full approach. If the model's wrong, it's wrong because of that. And maybe we're down on Brigham Young. Maybe they'll end up beating a couple of these teams. Maybe they got an NFL first round quarterback there. Maybe, maybe, we'll see. Nevertheless, that explains briefly why Brigham Young is 10 spots lower in the JP poll. Pitt, a lot of controversy around where we have Pitt. The AP has Pitt 17th. JP poll has Pitt 32nd. How is this? Well, I wanted to know first off how big the gap is. So 17th for us is Oklahoma State. Pitt at 32, Oklahoma State at 17. If we played that game today, what would the model think? On a neutral field, we would favor Oklahoma State by three and a half. So it's not a wide gap. It's a very, very small gap, as I told you it was. West Virginia plays them in week one. So uh, my point there is we don't have to wait very long to start finding out whether we're right or we're wrong on, on Pitt because they play West Virginia and Tennessee the first two weeks of the year. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't have West Virginia rated higher than them, but if we see a really close game, even if Pitt wins, if we see a really tight game and then we see Tennessee beat them in week two, you know, Pitt's ranked ahead of Tennessee in the AP. We got Tennessee well ahead of Pitt. So that will be an early season JP versus AP game. So that's good news because, hey, if we're wrong, we want to find out as early as possible. Most of the time, the opposite is what's happening. Not all the time, though. Inevitably, we're trying to power rate everyone. We're not going to be right on everyone. So if Tennessee is one of those that we're not right on, or Pitt isn't, we'll find out early on. They're watching us in Jacksonville, Florida. They're watching us in Provo, Utah. In fact, Kyle is watching us from the practice field at Brigham Young even as we speak. I'm sure he loved that last segment. And Justin, big-time friend of the show, in Smackover, Arkansas. Not under. They only smack over in Arkansas. Thank you for watching. Today was a big day. Today was the day that the Big Ten media rights deal finally got announced. And wow, did the iJosh blow up. From people I never even knew cared. Not about me, but about media rights deals. So here's what happened. I'm not going to take time to really break it down because most of it was already public. Seven-year media rights deal agreed to. Big Ten with Fox, with CBS, hooray for us, and with NBC. It looks like member institutions, as a result of this new deal, will be cashing between 80 and $100 million checks per year. I tend to believe it'll be more 100 or a little bit north of 100 when the final total comes in. Here's how the lineup is going to look. Your noon game for the Big Ten will be on Fox. Your 3.30 game will be on CBS. And your primetime game will be on NBC. If that sounds familiar, it's because the NFL has done it forever. And even though I am totally anti-professionalization of college football, from the broadcast perspective, I love that concept. I'm going to talk about that more in a second. Uh, this is not a mystery or news to any of you who watch this show, because I've told you that's where I expected them to go for a while. And I expect that that's not the last time we see that concept. Some key takeaways, 
before I explain to you how that Big Ten versus SEC war is probably just going to escalate now because of a key statement made by Kevin Warren today. Key takeaway number one, how about this? The Big Ten championship game is going to rotate which network it's on. It will be on Fox, and then it'll be on CBS in 2024, and then Fox again in 2025. Then it goes to NBC in 2026, back to Fox, back to CBS in 2028. Jesse, Colin, where will we be working by then? Who knows? I have no clue. And then it goes back to Fox in 2029. Take a look at your screen right now. I'm going to point at it. This is probably, <laughs> Colin had an answer. For legal reasons, I can't repeat it on air. Uh, this is going to be a good screenshot. So let me point to it. Three, two, one. Okay. I think that in the very near future, your college football playoff national championship broadcast model will look like this. It won't be ESPN, ESPN, ESPN. It'll be pretty much everyone getting a cut of that. Now, from a strictly new age media philosophy, I love what Kevin Warren and the Big Ten have done. I love what George Klaivkoff and the Pac-12 talk about. They get it. They get it. And they may whiff on some other things, but they get how this game is supposed to be played at the negotiating table. For a long time, there were masters on one side and there were suckers on the other side. There were people who had no business negotiating media rights deals who were being taken to the cleaners by the likes of ESPN. I don't blame ESPN. I blame the suckers. Anyway, no more suckers at the table, at least when it comes to negotiating some of this stuff. And what Kevin Warren has, well, what he's displayed in this and what George Klaifkoff and a lot of other newer age thinkers at the table have displayed in how they want the playoff to end up going is they've said, don't let ESPN exclusively negotiate and re-up that thing. Let's take it to the open market and let's handle it just like the Big Ten, just let their media rights deal get handled. We don't need to listen to one entity. Let's listen to everyone. And hey, what if we decide that what the NFL does with the Super Bowl is what we want to do with the national championship game. Who should be able to stop us? Or whomst should be able to stop us? I think that's where they're headed. Very soon. Remember, guys, this does not run. This college football playoff contract doesn't run into the 2030s. 2025. That's when it's up. And if you want to know what most of the meetings in Bristol, Connecticut have... Uh, pretty much consisted of lately. It's, are we going to go get the Big 12 and the Pac-12? And are we going to be able to secure that college football playoff contract? My hope is no, but it has nothing to do with who I work for. What if I told you, what if I told you that there are employees at that network that have echoed the same sentiment? No one, unless you're an executive, likes any one network having a stranglehold on the college football playoff contract. No one likes that. It's not good for anyone except that network. So it's not good for you. It's not good for me. Uh, and there are some employees there that I speak with fairly regularly who have said, yeah, obviously I can't say this publicly. I kind of hope it gets distributed out too. So um, for obvious reasons, I can't go any further down that rabbit hole, but that is not really what to pay close attention to today. Here, paper pop time. Here's what I didn't want to hear said, but I was afraid I would hear said. From Pat Forty on SI.com in writing about this big announcement today. Quote, the agreement comes with this caveat from a Big Ten source. We're not done expanding. 
So hooray for that. Uh, at this point, I don't care if it's Greg Sankey talking. I don't care if it's Kevin Warren talking. Please don't let anyone try and fleece you into thinking that any further advancement down the expansion road is being done with the best interest of anyone other than themselves in mind. Everyone's fine right now. If you hit the pause button right now, if you let well enough be right now, the Big Ten would be just fine cashing 100 mil per year per institution. Ditto for the SEC. There's only one reason why you push any further for expansion, and it's just because you can. And that's where college football, for a long time, had folks, you got one right here, that tried to protect it from such things, but I've only got the power of this camera and this microphone, and they don't wield nearly as much power as some of these folks who sit in these boardrooms do. This was the natural preserve for a long time that we didn't want disrupted, because none of us are stupid. We knew if pure market forces ever got into the natural preserve, you were chopping down these trees pretty quick. Our chimpanzees were being taken out stage left really quick. Why? Because we can build a Walgreens here. We can build a high rise here. We can put condos and apartment complexes here. I know you can. Should you? I know you can expand to 20. Should you? Do you care about college football? Do you care about college athletics? Or do you care about the Big Ten? I'm not just directing this at Kevin Warren. Do you care about the SEC or do you care about college football? Where's the balance? How does one benefit the other? The same metaphor that I've been using for a while, I'll go back to one more time. You guys keep talking about doing what's in the best interest of your conference. Kevin Warren keeps using the word disruption like he discovered it two weeks ago. Yeah, you're right about all of it. I simply ask, if you build the biggest mansion in town and the town burns down around you, how much is the mansion worth? College football is the foundation, at least from a football perspective, on which the Big Ten football model is built. It doesn't exist independently, because if you don't have it as the smaller picture in the grander scope of college football, no one cares. It's the same thing for the SEC. Alabama versus Auburn, Georgia versus Florida, that's a big deal within the SEC. What does the SEC exist within? It exists within college football. So what I listened to is I listened for a while to people who told me we need to expand because if we don't, someone else will. And you know what? I was willing to buy that. If we had Greg Sankey on the show and he said, Josh, if I didn't go and get OU in Texas, someone else would. I could believe that. I don't have to be happy about it, but I could believe that. But you're not telling me that past this point. Nor is Kevin Warren and the Big Ten telling me we need to do anything. Now, they don't have to apologize. Sure, they've got all the power in the room. I would just simply suggest, whether you're in the Big Ten, whether you're in the SEC, there is infinite value to college football as a whole being maintained. Everyone right now is caught up in the future of college football. is just going to be one conference versus the other conference. It's going to be the power two, and everyone else is going to fade away. And some people in Birmingham and Indianapolis happen to like the tune of that song. The song sucks. It's terrible. It's Milli Vanilli. You don't want that because you need the foundation of college football for your ever-growing conferences and the value therein to be maintained. It's not hard to figure out, and I know that because I figured it out. So my message, my suggestion to you is figure it out and do it without expanding. Uh, one last thing. The professionalization, sometimes is good. You know, there are some aspects of the NFL model that are good. I just told you, there's one I like. 
and that is the broadcast perspective. Uh, that is the philosophy behind how we align with networks. That's fine. That's all well and good. But there's a lot of Sunday logic that's arriving at the Saturday table right now, and I'm not a fan of it at all, and you're not a fan of it at all, and there are some others out there who believe they are fans of it until they find out what that's all about. And then you're going to realize you just poured orange juice in your cereal. I love cereal. I love orange juice. They don't taste good together. The Sunday philosophy applied to our Saturday game is not going to taste very good, even though the ingredients on the surface all look like ingredients you approve of. Be careful what you wish for. There's no going back from this stuff. It may be out of our hands already, but I can assure you, once you go down that road, they call it a slippery slope for a reason. No one ever climbs up a slippery slope. They just, their voice fades further and further into the abyss. Don't go into the abyss, especially when you don't have to. What you should do, though, is you should like the video and subscribe to the channel, please, and thank you. Because we're not even at a thousand yet, so I think we can get that done. Okay, I need to touch on something here, immunity. And it's very important. It's extremely important at Oklahoma right now, but it's very important for the whole nation. So, uh, Colin, I didn't like that intro, so let's just let's cut it in here. For those of you watching live, this is just us doing live production. Three, two, one. Oklahoma has scandal on its hands right now, and it's avoidable, totally avoidable, as many scandals are. So Oklahoma does a lot of things right. I want to stress that right up front. This is not a bash Oklahoma segment. I love Oklahoma. It is my stated goal to make it to a game in Norman this year. Uh, but I'm telling you they do a bunch of things right because we are about to point out a grave injustice at the hands of the University of Oklahoma, and we are going to publicly shame them, hopefully into a reversal, of course, because everyone locally is up in arms. I feel it's our duty as the gatekeepers of the sanctity of the Saturday product to use our national microphone to help our friends out in Norman. So what's happening here? Well, I'm going to read you a headline. I'm going to read you the question from Sam, then I'm going to read you the headline. So Sam said, are you going to weigh in on the Oklahoma tailgating controversy? Of course I am, Sam. Of course I am. Here's a headline. When you hear headlines like this, run. Second paper pop of the show. Headline from the University of Oklahoma. OU announces the expansion of private tailgating areas to allow for what? For a stronger fan experience. Translation. It's over. You're all screwed. That's essentially coming from the University of Oklahoma. This is happening all across the country. Oklahoma's the latest to do it. The reason this applies to virtually all of you or at least if you're a fan of any kind of major program or any kind of brand name, is we've taught this lesson on this show a million times. This is just going to be a million and one. When you let people who preach the Sunday gospel from a sports perspective get their hands on the Saturday game, this stuff happens. This is what they do at every NFL stadium. This is a relatively new concept to college football campuses. Why are they doing it? Why are they all of a sudden, well, here's what's happening. I, I kind of got the cart before the horse. What's happening at a lot of places is they are taking areas that used to be public tailgating areas, and they are essentially corporatizing them. And they are selling huge parcels of land to the highest corporate bidder. And then you've got these pathetic excuses for tailgates everything's name brand, everything's sanitized, no one's passed out on the ground, it's disgusting. And they put it right there 
in the heart of campus, and that's tailgating. It's tailgating, all right. It's just not tailgating, if that makes any sense to you. And so that's happening in a lot of places. Now, here is the complaint I have at its core. It's ridiculous because your ticket prices aren't going down, are they? Your parking prices, your concession prices not going down. You're having to pay for tailgating. Now, that's why I have tried to stress to you that when they describe expansion and these new media rights deals and all the financial windfall that comes from their expanded playoff in the future, and they tell you it's for the betterment of the fan experience, they are playing you. They've always been playing you. What benefit are you seeing? Nothing has gone down in price. In fact, everything goes up in price. No matter how much money they make, they'll continue to rob you of your fan experience. Not because they need to, but because they can. Because somewhere along the way, someone got distracted who has the best interest of you and me and the Saturday experience at heart, and they took their hands off the wheel. When you take your hands off the wheel of college football, the big threat is always that someone from the Sunday world is in the passenger seat. It's happening at Oklahoma right now. You tailgated here for 30 years, doesn't matter. Because a big brand has come in, and they're going to pay X amount of money, and we're going to give that to them now. Not because we necessarily need it. You look around, we're building new facilities all over the place. Oklahoma doesn't need the money. Plus, we're about to move to the SEC in a couple of years. We'll be making $100 million just because we have their sticker on our helmet. No, we don't need that money. We're taking your tailgate spot because we can. Is that the spirit of Saturday? Is that the spirit of college football? Of course not. But the folks making the decision could not care less about any of the things I just mentioned. What's happening at Oklahoma has happened all throughout the SEC. It's happened in the Big Ten. It's happening everywhere that you have a brand that was built long before the suits arrived that's able to be sold and able to be partnered with corporately. And that's the way it is. So once again, I say, be very careful allowing the Sunday logic to spill over into Saturday. It's orange juice. It's cereal. They're great separately. They don't taste good at all together. Having to pay for tailgate spots where you've been for 30 years free of charge doesn't taste good, especially when you're not hurting for money at Oklahoma and you won't be hurting for money in the foreseeable future because you have made the proper moves to align yourself with one of the two biggest brands in college athletics. So you don't need to do it. You're just choosing to do it. And in the process, you backhanded every fan. By the way, those fans that your new head coach has demanded deliver on a game day experience, the likes of which the rest of the country can't match. What kind of crowd do you think you're getting to your stadium when you're making them pay to hang out outside the stadium before they ever come in the stadium? You ever hear people describe the atmosphere at the Super Bowl? No, because the atmosphere is not fun because the only people there are the people who could really take the game or leave the game. It's the social experience for them. No, no. The crowd you want there is not the kind of crowd that's about to shell out 800 bucks for a tailgate spot per Saturday. They're not the ones who can afford to pay uh, PSL licensing for season tickets, which happens at a lot of places now too, just like the Sunday game. They're squeezing you because they can squeeze you, not because they have to. So when they tell you that they're making X amount of dollars, this is why it's never made sense to me that fans celebrate media rights deals. Big 10 fans doing it today. SEC fans did it a couple of years ago. OU fans, you're celebrating because you're going to the SEC and you're going to make all this money. If it never benefits you, what does it matter? 
why do you celebrate it? You're celebrating it because a few folks who really hold the keys to your experience are going to have much deeper pockets, and they're deeper because none of it's coming to you. So hopefully it's not too late at Oklahoma. This has already gone too far at a lot of other places. Hopefully it's not too late at Oklahoma, but I meant to talk about it tonight, and we talked about it tonight. I appreciate you guys for being tuned in. Uh, let me remind you, Sunday night, I have no clue how long the show is going to be. It will be very, very lengthy, though. We are going to give you our full season predictions, conference predictions, playoff predictions, national championship predictions. I'm, I'm emptying the barrel this Sunday night. I am giving you multiple best bets for week zero and week one on the Ramen Noodle Express. We're not waiting. We're giving them to you tonight or Sunday night. Tuesday night, we will be announcing our week one every given Saturday tour destination. So if you don't already feel like we're in the flow of the season, boy, we will be by the time Sunday rolls around. So one last time, as we roll out of here, if you're watching the video live or on replay, just click the like button. If you're listening on podcast or watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Do you realize as of yesterday, we were the number one college football show in the world on podcast, which is not even our main source of traffic? That's what you guys have done. So... It's not like we get a bonus for that. It's just really fun to say that because we've only been around two and a half years. Thank you for that. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Bate. Have yourselves a great start to your weekend. We'll see you back here Sunday night, same time. Take care. God bless. Bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.